Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com NFL Strategy Show. I'm Dave Lockren. With me, Kyle Dvorak, Matt Gajeski. Follow these fine gentlemen at Kyle Tweets here on Twitter and at Matt underscore Gajeski. You can follow me at Lafay underscore D. We're talking ownership today. We're talking stacks, pivots, you name it, everything to get you ready for this week 11 slate. Matt, fleets are a thing now. Did you know that fleet? I saw you tried out your hand on Twitter with the fleets doing some uh, pull-ups at the gym. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm all in on these fleets. I'm going to keep giving people a little behind-the-curtains action. She'll go people about my life and maybe do some fantasy stuff. Not sure how it directly applies to fleets yet, but I don't know. We're feeling it out. Kyle, are you fleeting? No, I don't like fleets. It's just like more things I have to keep up with now. And, like, I follow a lot of people, so I literally have – I could never get through all of them. I do not like this – I am uh, like vehemently against. Oh, okay. I'm like a seventy-year-old man. It's just too much. It's too much. I don't even. I like got off other social media platforms. I'm like, I just want straight and narrow Twitter just to get my information. Now people are fleeting at me. I hear you. Listen, I've never posted an Instagram story in my life. As a matter of fact, I don't know how to. Uh, I don't have TikTok, and you want to talk about seventy-year-old man? I don't have TikTok. The China run TikTok, uh, and I don't have. Snapchat or anything. I have Twitter. I have a Facebook that I do not use. I like Twitter. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm with you, Kyle, but I think I may dip my toe in the fleet water and, and see where it takes me. What's the worst Traitor. that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? All right. We got a lot to get into. Uh, before we do, we're happy to have you guys with us. You know the drill. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel, we're making that push to get the 50K by the end of the year. It's going to be tough. Not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. We're at 41, about 41,500. So we've got a ways to go. But you guys are the reason that got us to 40,000. So, you know, I think it's doable. Plus, it, it helps both of us out. You guys know when our shows are happening uh, across the board for all of our sports. It'll show up more in your browse feature, your recommended feed, and it helps us continue to put out good free content, improve our production, improve our everything, get good guests on the show. Uh, you know, the the increase in subscribers, the more views to the channel allows us to do that and at an accelerated pace. So hit that subscribe if you haven't done so yet. It's appreciated. 
All right, Matt, let's dive into it. 11 games. Before we do, we've got the ownership review from last week. Now, unfortunately, Fantasy Cruncher still hasn't updated the uh, the lineup study, but I think we have a pretty good idea, for the most part, who was chalked. And I think we have a pretty good understanding, Matt, that most, if not all, of the chalk from last week was wildly disappointing, starting with Mike Davis and moving down to Aaron Jones, the Seahawks and Rams game. It was it was rough if you if you went heavy on some of those guys. Duke Johnson as well. Yeah, luckily by the time the week ended, there were some solid pivots in that range. You could have gotten to DeAndre Swift. You could have gotten to to someone like Giovanni Bernard. He didn't Antonio exactly work. Gibson. Antonio Gibson. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't. Like I got behind after playing a decent amount of Mike Davis, and I made some pretty gnarly pivots in the afternoon. I played guys like Travis Homer. Obviously, that didn't work out either. But, you know, if you hit on someone like DeAndre Swift and you took a contrarian approach, it was probably very profitable for you. It didn't happen for me, but there were ways to get around it. Yeah, Kyle, the, it was the whole Mike Davis thing. There's there's a lot of people out there that regret playing him. Or, or, or I, I don't even want to get into that too much, but the idea is I think we all went into it knowing it was a very difficult matchup. Uh, it's just, for me, I hated the matchup. I hated the spot. Uh, but I still ended up with a good amount of Mike Davis because it, what, what it allowed me to do with the rest of my lineup, I could pretty much jam everyone else in. And if I got 10 from Mike Davis, I'd feel okay. And I believe the fourth place in the Millie maker might've been third did have Mike Davis. So he wasn't even the biggest reason for people losing in, in the event that you did lose for a week 10. Yeah. So I write our Millie maker review and I like to look at a lot of the ownership. And like you said, Cruncher isn't live yet. So I was like just frantically clicking through different lineups, trying to find like <laughs> how, how much was Duke Johnson owned, but no one like played Duke Johnson that made money. So I'm like clicking through all these lineups. I saw a lot of Mike Davis at the top specifically because like you said, what he allowed you to do, even if he scored, I think it was like seven points or something. Even if he scored seven points, he didn't tank your lineup. I think that's kind of the interesting thing is like he got a goal line carry and he, he didn't convert on it. It was like at the four or five and he hurt his hand, I believe, and was out for a handful of drives. All these terrible things happened to him. And he was still not like a downright completely limiting factor to making like incredible lineups. It was simply you just had to build the nuts around him. Or, of course, you had to fade him if you wanted to have a better shot at making good lineups. So I think maybe that's the more important thing to focus on, for me at least, because I played a lot of Mike Davis, or maybe it's just confirmation bias, that his price made it so easy for him to be a decent value, and it made it very easy, although it didn't happen, to be a great value, and it let you do other things. So I don't think playing Mike Davis was like a downright terrible play, although like the people who faded Mike Davis certainly could say the say the opposite. Did you notice that uh, DraftKings essentially overcorrected, and now you have... <laughs> You have Alexander Madison at 6,200. You have Latavius Murray at 5,900. Uh, Boston Scott at 5,600. Tony Pollard at 5,600. All of these guys up north of 5,500 after last week. I didn't see that. I saw that with Mike Davis, but like it made sense because he's probably still the running back. I didn't see that with the rest of them. That's hilarious. And kind of, um, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. How do you feel about that? I think it's probably fine, although it'd be maybe a little more fun if they were like, 5k or you know 4800 i think it's fine it makes sense and also i think people like i don't like when there's good chalk it makes like difficult decisions i like when i can uh, like freely play just weird contrarian plays i don't like feeling like i have to play mike davis so actually i kind of think that's a good thing i do too what about you matt knowing that these guys are all wet i mean look they preemptively priced every relatively decent backup way above where they should be based off of the fact that somebody might get hurt. But I think I'm kind of with Kyle here. I don't hate it. I'd rather that than, than feel backed into a corner having to play a 4K Mike Davis. 
I think it's the right move, even if it doesn't happen often. It's like Dalvin Cook goes down in practice this week for whatever reason, and we have Alexander Madison at 4K. I don't know. I think it takes away a little bit from the slates. I'm with you both. I don't really care too much. I, I think each slate is like, you know, it's its own unique puzzle. So whatever they give us, I'm going to play either way, but I do agree. All right. Well, let's start piecing this puzzle together. Remember guys, all of our shows are available in podcast form. If you want to check that out, you go to Apple podcasts, you go wherever you want, any platform that hosts podcasts, we're going to be on there. Uh, separated by sport. Just search Awesome A-W-E-S-E-M-O. And hit us with a review or a rating if you like the podcast. It helps us a lot. Uh, but yeah, look, if you come into this show late, rewind it. Or you can even wait till it's posted on here afterwards. Uh, and immediately after we're done going live, it uploads straight onto YouTube and you get to watch the replay. So there's a million different ways you can watch uh, and listen, of course, with the podcasts as well. Matt, We'll start at the running back position. We'll go running back, wide receiver, tight end, where there's no chalk at all and not a single guy above 4,900 on DraftKings. And then we'll mix in our top stacks, uh, looking at probabilities here and what the ownership stands to be on uh, midweek through the uh, midway through the week. Let's start it off with running back, though. Dalvin Cook, once again, pulling the most ownership. Right now projected for 26.5%. And then Mike Davis still getting that ownership at 20.9% operating under the assumption that Christian McCaffrey sits. I think both of these make sense at this point. Dalvin, of course, has just been the stones. You need him basically every single slate and his volume is just as good about anyone in the NFL. He gets a better matchup this week against Dallas. Their defense has really struggled this week. So at 9K, I think you're really deciding between someone like him and Kamara, who's getting a decent amount of ownership himself But Dalvin's, even when Minnesota goes down, he's still involved as a pass catcher. It's really hard to really fault him from a volume perspective. It's really, anytime you talk about fading him, I think it's based on ownership alone. Mike Davis, I think, is priced appropriately. So I'm kind of surprised to see him above 20% ownership. Did you guys have that? I'm shocked. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's coming off the the dud performance last week. It's probably a better matchup here against Detroit here, but we have Teddy Bridgewater uncertain for this game. Stafford on the other side uncertain for this game. I didn't see a total even out on books yet. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Davis if people go back to him. I'm not sure if the recency bias will be that much of a factor or not. Yeah, I don't see. Oh no, there it's we got a total now 49. Uh, I think a lot most of that has to do with Teddy Bridgewater as well, Kyle, but. Look, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, both of these guys priced north of 9K. Matt Rule has been very uh, – he's it's been really difficult to get a read on him. Every week he says, oh, yeah, we're optimistic that he'll play. And then you get reports from Adam Schefter saying he's not going to play. Uh, at this point, he didn't. he's not going to participate in practice today. So I'll operate under the assumption that he's not going to be active for week 11. So that rules one of the three 9K guys out of the player pool for this week. Yeah, I think Rapsheet had a tweet earlier in the week as well that was like, he doesn't look like he's going to play. So I think we can safely operate as if that is uh, that is the case. Yeah, Mike Davis is weird. He's got the, like, I think the thing we were so excited about playing Mike Davis for was the fact that he was getting Christian McCaffrey-level receiving work. And that that floor that that builds is just unreal, especially because when you think about running back targets, the catch rate on a running back target is like the Michael Thomas catch rate. It's just so easy to connect on them. So when you get eight targets, you're probably locking in six or seven PPR points hasn't really been the case in recent weeks with Mike Davis, which is kind of weird. It's like six, five, one targets. Like it's not bad volume. He is still getting more pass catching work than a lot of other running backs can lay claim to, but because he doesn't get a ton of receiving work, his team like 
hasn't really had a great ground attack in weeks now. It's been difficult to trust him, and it has elevated price and still the ownership not correcting. I think it's it's wild that we're seeing this many people on him. I certainly won't have a ton of Mike Davis, specifically because he was a great play at 4K because all he needs is eight or nine points. Now he actually needs to have a decent week, which he hasn't had in weeks. So I'm pretty much off Mike Davis only because of the price correction. If they had you know accidentally left him at 4K, I'd probably be going back to him because he's getting enough volume to be you know not excited about but competent with. He's not getting enough volume to really make me excited about it, like over 6K. So I think there are probably good leverage points like a Robbie Anderson or a DJ Moore off of Mike Davis. Right. That's kind of the thing. You need, you even said last week, if you get eight, it probably doesn't kill you at minimum salary. But if you get eight here, it is going to hurt you really badly. Um, Did you see, by the way, he only ran 12 routes in week 10? I mean, yeah, he missed uh, he missed some time with a hand injury, and then he came back with uh, probably wasn't technically the club, but he was wrapped up like big time on his hand. I think it was maybe a thumb or something. It doesn't seem like he's going to hold him back, but even the broadcasters are like, I'm shocked he is still out here because he left for a long time, came back. The 12 routes, even in the time he played, is a bit concerning. I don't think he is like a committee back by any means. It still seems like he's probably the number one back. What would shock me if with uh, like, you know, this hand injury now and just the overall lack of of doing much since his first two or three games that we see like some more Curtis Samuel or even like a few snaps for like Trenton Cannon or something. No. So there are enough concerns around him plus the price that, yeah, like, like those 12 routes run. Sure. There are some caveats you could put onto them, but when I'm looking to fade chalk, I'm just looking for the pass to failure and not running a ton of routes is a great path to failure for a running back who we're relying on like solely on pass catching work. Really. Matt, Deandre Swift, 20 plus percent, 20.3% to be exact. He's he's last week. He did a lot of people well, right? Came in with 26 fantasy points, uh, 16 carries, which was the most he's had on the year. So outside of that 14 carry game he had against Jacksonville, Uh, his last two weeks have seen his highest volume of the season back-to-back 13 plus carry weeks back-to-back five target weeks Uh, and obviously he found the end zone last week so there's 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 a little bit to be excited about here and he is a good pass catcher but now at a mid 6k price point DeAndre Swift is getting plenty of attention uh, really coming in at almost identical ownership or similar ownership to Mike Davis at $400 less. Which one of these guys do you like more? I like DeAndre Swift more. There's, I think, probably the same risk now, like Kyle mentioned, with other backs coming in and stealing work from Mike Davis. We've had this concern with DeAndre Swift all year, and he's kind of squashed those. Last week, all their backs are healthy. Adrian Peterson has five touches. DeAndre Swift, 21. And then on Johnson, just the one carry. And we like DeAndre Swift, too, because he's someone who's also game script independent. We saw the five catches. He ends up with a ton of yards, I believe 68 yards and a touchdown just as a receiver. And then you factor in the carries on the ground, 16 out carries Adrian Peterson and on Johnson, 16 to five. We look at matchup against Carolina. It's a phenomenal matchup. Carolina's bottom five in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per attempt to opposing offenses. So everything sets up well for Swift. His price didn't jump to an egregious number. I like him quite a bit. Do you like uh, DeAndre Swift here, Kyle? I saw you shake your head when, uh, or nod your head when Matt. Yeah, it was a good shake. It was a good shake. Seemingly in agreement. Yeah, and I did the same thing. I, I think we're probably all in agreement here that DeAndre Swift, seeing the massively elevated workload. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Adrian Peterson's decreasing opportunities over the past couple weeks puts him in a great spot against the Carolina defense in this same game that has really struggled to defend the run as well. Yeah, I completely agree. It was the, you get the pass catching work you get now, which like the, the 14 carry game you said versus Jacksonville, I think Adrian Peterson was still like heavily involved in that game. I think, so he, that had one, fi- I think he had 15 to be exact. Yeah, exactly. Wrong, no, 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 you're, you're, you're right. It was 15 to 14. So when you look at games like that, sure, the, the numbers are high, but you go, oh, the market share numbers aren't there. Looking at this game, that is not the story. It was 16 to four to one in terms of, of Swift Peterson and then Johnson he's cemented himself or at least briefly cemented himself as the three down back and as the primary ball carrier by a wide margin and it was even I believe his first start like they named him the starter specifically and then it was like Pelissero or rap sheet said we're gonna see a lot of him today that was the case I think all the indicators were there for a big game and there's no reason not to believe like he didn't do anything at all to show you that he shouldn't continue to hold down this role so given all the factors are there that he's getting the market share numbers, it is like officially given the start. The coach seemed to have confidence in him and he's an incredible pass catcher. There's no reason not to go to him at an elevated, but only modestly elevated price. Like you're getting potentially a three down back at like two and a half down back price. I really like him this week a lot. I don't even think we need to say anything more. DeAndre Swift, someone mentioned in chat, he's good chalk. I, and, and I agree. I think DeAndre Swift, uh, it's not crazily overpriced. It's a pretty reasonable spot. Great matchup, played 73% of snaps last week, which was by far the highest of the season. Adrian Peterson played 12%, Curry and Johnson 15. I think we can all agree on that. It's a great spot. Kyle, staying with you, what do you say about Alvin Kamara? Uh, He's another 9K guy coming in around 20%. And then, Matt, I'll go to you with James Robinson, who had amazingly somehow a million touches in a game where they were two touchdown dogs against the Green Bay Packers last week. You first, Kyle. Yeah, I think Alvin Kamara is fine. He's probably a decent pivot off of Dalvin Cook simply because like Alvin Kamara getting more pass catching work, probably not quite as much running work and maybe not as much touchdown equity. Maybe, I don't know. Dalvin Cook scores a lot. So does Alvin Kamara. Simply put, I think both backs are incredible projection plays. If I can get for, you know, the same price, Alvin Kamara at six, 7% less ownership, I'll probably do that. Although because they're both so expensive, neither are probably going to be like building blocks of my tournament lineups. I'll have some of both, but I do prefer Kamara simply because I think they're very similar plays in their just overall projections. Both of them, like like the Dallas matchup is awesome. Atlanta versus New Orleans should feature a lot of points. I don't think either one has a massive advantage. If one has a slight ownership edge, which right now we have Cook as is a little bit more owned than Kamara, I'll go, I'll go with Kamara. I don't have a strong lean between these two, though. Okay, what about you, Matt? James Robinson, last three games, 23 carries, five targets, 25 carries, two targets, 22 carries, six targets. Guy is seeing massive, massive volume. He's the same price as DeAndre Swift. He's cheaper than Mike Davis, but he's getting a much more complicated matchup against Pittsburgh. Yeah, not only the matchup, it's he's a severe underdog. And typically you don't want to play your running backs when they're near two touchdown underdogs. Last week with Green Bay, they're able to hang tough and they actually were leading for part of that game. They end up losing 24 to 20, so it's a close game throughout. Two weeks ago, two-point game. They lose to Houston 27-25. The game before, it's just a 10-point loss to the Chargers. If we go back to, I guess, five and four games ago, the last two times Jacksonville got blown out, James Robinson, he didn't see quite as many touches, just 18 and 16. 
that's fine. But if you're in his price range and you're dealing with a team with a really low implied team total, they're 10 point underdogs. How many touches do we reasonably expect him to get? Not saying, you know, they've, they covered the spread last week by, by a mile. If that game plays out as expected, how many touches does James Robinson actually get when they're losing by 14 points to a team like Green Bay? That's a serious question for me. And in the same price range, I'll just target backs and better matchups with better game script. Yeah, Kyle, I will ask you about James Robinson because he's been kind of a polarizing player this season, not really knowing what you're going to get early in the year and then some tough matchups because they're a bad team that's expected to play from behind. Yeah, we saw what Pittsburgh did to Cincinnati last week, but then we saw what Pittsburgh couldn't do against Dallas two weeks before that or a week before that. So it's it's tough when we're projecting, projecting game script, but I think we could all agree that if this game stays competitive, James Robinson gets another 20-plus touches with ease. It's, it's a weird spot. Yeah, I think the only problem for me is that, like Matt said, like the ownership. The ownership indicates that he should be like in a competitive game script, whereas typically I would think if you have like a low-implied team total underdog Jacksonville versus an awesome Pittsburgh defense, people would be shying away from that. And if they were, I would say, well, anything can happen on one game. But because there are, you know, a fifth of the field potentially looking to play James Robinson, I think he might come in as a solid fade simply because his team doesn't project to score a ton of points. They get a difficult matchup. They're underdogs. The only way I could maybe sell myself or sell you guys on James Robinson is that I believe Chris Thompson was put on IR. They don't have like any other healthy backs like Divino Zigbo and like Dario Gunvalwale. They don't have anyone else to throw to. I think we could see another game where James Robinson literally gets every single carry, every single target out of the backfield. And that's why you would be interested in playing him because he is a true three down back. I think he still leads the NFL in like market share backfield carries. So there are like, there are ancillary numbers to like about him. It's simply that the field seems to like those numbers a lot in a very difficult spot. What do you think about some pivots, Matt, starting with, and I have to do it. I don't, I don't want to do this because he has been an absolute disaster in recent weeks and he's still getting around 13% projected ownership this week. James Conner against Dallas, nothing. All right, Cincinnati home matchup, this should be easy, nothing. Now, against a Jacksonville team that has been equally disastrous at being able to contain the run, do we get nothing or do we get something at 6,600? It's really tough to say with James Conner because the volume hasn't been there. When, you know, like two weeks ago, Chase Edmonds, I know this didn't really matter because Kenyon Drake came back, but Kenyon Drake, excuse me, Chase Edmonds had extreme volume. He just didn't get there. So I'm willing to go back to Kenyon, or excuse me, Chase Edmonds in that situation. James Conner not quite seeing the volume. We expect, you know, just 13 attempts last week. If he's going to be in this range, I'm certainly going to be hands off James Conner. The problem is no one else was really seeing work in the backfield either. Like Benny Snell, three carries. They just flat out didn't run the ball a lot. So it's tough to really say what to do with this Pittsburgh team. If they end up just with a massive lead, I think Connor will see decent opportunity. I'm probably going to end up sprinkling him in because of this, just in case, you know, they get up way up in that game two weeks ago against Dallas, that didn't go according to plan. So he doesn't see a ton of work last week. Of course, he doesn't see a ton of work. So I think he'll be contrarian enough where I want to sprinkle him in. Okay. Kyle, what do you think about some pivots here? Yeah, in a uh, like in a good game, I would say Miles Sanders gets most of the touches last week. It was that was the exciting part. I had a lot of Miles Sanders and I saw, you know, I checked the box score and I see that he got 15 carries. And I think his backups combined for like four or so. They carries. still did get most of them. Boston Scott just broke off the 53 yard touchdown. Uh-huh. And Corey Clement scored a touchdown, too. So that was yeah. difficult to wake up to. That was not easy. But 
the numbers were there. The numbers said that, you know, barring these weird plays, it should have been Miles Sanders doing a lot of the scoring. He's essentially a three down back. He got five targets. He has multiple targets in nearly every game this year, has a lot of long runs. Some of them have made up for other weak performances, but like the Cleveland defense just doesn't scare me at this point, even if they are on the road at Cleveland. So I think Miles Sanders as a true three down back and one of the more heavily targeted backs at 12%, at 12% is like, he's not like, he's a just James Robinson, but in a better spot. He is like, DeAndre Swift, but in uh, like a maybe a little bit of a worse spot, but with lower ownership. Like those guys are all comparable. Like Mike Davis, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, I think all fall in the same range of projections, but I can get upwards of a 10% ownership discount by playing Miles Sanders. So I'm just going to do that. I'm absolutely with you here. And the thing I like about Miles Sanders is he has that breakaway ability. We've seen it back to back week, 74 yard runs against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, no less. Um, Sometimes he will be bottled up, but he's still averaging six yards per attempt on the season. Even last week, you mentioned it, Kyle, it, that, that should have looked a whole lot different. He still averaged almost six yards per carry. Uh, the, the guy is a great runner, and he should – look, he runs wheel routes. He lines up as a receiver at times. He can also catch passes, and I'm not talking about out of the backfield where everything has to be created after the catch. There will be opportunities, too, for Miles Sanders to catch long passes down the sidelines – which we've seen many times before. So when it comes to a ceiling, uh, yeah, I'm not terribly worried about Cleveland's defense either. If Sanders' ownership is going to sit where it is right now, and I think it's – what is he at right now? Um, uh, it was just north of 10%, I believe. That's – yeah. So you're getting half James Robinson's ownership in a better matchup? Yeah, 11.7%. Yeah, you're getting, you know, 8 9 10% ownership discount on your, your Swifts, your Davises, you know, your Robinsons. Robinsons are probably the easy one to point out. Right. Matt, what about Naeem Hines? It might sound crazy, right, straight off the tongue, but because we don't necessarily know what we're going to get out of the backfield, whether it's Taylor, Hines, uh, you know, you've seen Jordan Wilkins worked in quite a bit this year. But Green Bay's run defense has really been uh, stagnant. It has been one area that has, you know, prevented them from able, being able to blow a lot of teams out when they have opposing runner rushers that are good. Take Dalvin Cook, for example. They lost that game. Uh the Colts have a good enough defense, to, I think, to keep this game competitive at home. Is there anyone in their backfield that you'd be willing to take shots on at virtually zero ownership? Maybe in that range, it's more about the other players that I can take a look at instead. For example, you know, in that price range, if we're talking DraftKings specifically, Naeem Hines is 5,200. If you want to get a little bit cheaper, there's a guy like Salvin Ahmed. I feel more comfortable with his workload against Denver. He's 4,800. If you want to go up a little bit, I actually feel a little more comfortable with Kalen Balaj's workload at 5,600. He's going against the Jets. All of them are sub 5% ownership. All of them are below 5.6K. So rather than play the roulette game where I don't know which Colts running back sees the work on a given week, I'd rather just take a stab on Balaj or someone like Salvin Ahmed. What about J.D. McKissick, who's now seen 12 targets from Alex Smith in basically less than three quarters two weeks ago? to 15 targets from Alex Smith, who did throw 55 times, but still 15 targets from Alex Smith, uh, and now has basically a 30% target share when Alex Smith is under center this season. He's the same price as Naeem Hines. Any interest in him or Gibson? Probably with Gibson, for sure. J.D. McKissick, no. I just don't see what the upside is. He's going to see, like, 12 targets with an A dot of negative three, end up with like 26 yards and no touchdowns. And I think virtually no tournament winning upside. And then you're not playing him, him in cash because there's just better plays. Man, I, I, I don't know. I see that a little differently. If his A dot is, if his A dot is super low and you're right, it is. If the man sees 12 targets again, 
and ends up catching more than half of them like last week, which generally speaking should be the case when the ball is traveling three feet to get into your hands. <laughs> if he ends up with 10 receptions, I don't think he needs to do a ton. And while I agree, maybe there is an immense upside there. Anyone seeing double digit targets on easily catchable balls to me is going to be in play. Uh, and I think, I, I don't think you can guarantee he's going to see another double-digit targets, but if he does see 10, 11, 12, 13 looks and catches 11 of those 13 or 10 of those 12, that gets you well on your way and really sets up a really nice floor with an opportunity to where if he does happen to score, you're getting a big game. Matt, Kyle, what do you think about some of these lower-owned pivots? I'm talking like the low-owned guys here, sub-8, 7%. Yeah, in terms of McKissick, I kind of agree with Matt on this one. I do get it that he could hit 20 points fairly easily because like anyone who gets 14 targets in a game, 15 targets can get there. But I do feel like I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm not sure where the upside is. I'd rather, I, I'm in complete agreeance. I think the Salvin Ahmed and Kalen Balaj calls are probably where I'd look. I think Matt said he's on Balaj. I'd actually go with Ahmed simply because he dominated his backfield more so than we saw with Balaj. But both of them are completely fine. Like they are favorites, I believe, Miami versus Denver and the Chargers versus the lowly Jets. So I think both of them project to see a large market share of their backfield as long as none of their, you know, starting running backs come back. And they're in good matchups. They're favorites on teams that can score a lot of points. I think Ahmed, because I think he should see just overall more carries, but both of them like have 20 plus touch upside in great matchups. And they're not going to be that popular. They're not quite free squares, but they do project as like very solid values. I'm surprised people aren't more excited about them. Maybe just because we don't know who they are and like, that's fine. But you know, running backs are just cogs in the system anyways, you know, fill in whatever name you want. Yeah. We're on different pages here. That's what makes these shows good. <laughs> Uh, Salvin Ahmed to me does nothing for me. Don't I, you I talk about Salvin that way, all right? I, I understand we saw the workload last week, but I have no faith that he's going to be targeted uh, in the passing sure. game. Like, can I guarantee 20 carries? No. Uh, has Denver's run defense outside of that game against Josh Jacobs, who's actually like a, a legitimate running back? Sorry, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> has their run defense been good? Yes. So, I don't know what I take like 16 and a half. If I'm setting a line for Ahmed uh, rushing attempts, I'm not giving him 20. Uh, what I take like 16 of those over 10 targets as a pass catcher, I probably wouldn't, but I guess we'll find out. Right. It's a fun position at the bottom because there's nobody that stands out as like a Mike Davis this week. Matt. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumba chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus there's nobody that you look at and say guaranteed lock him in easiest chalk of the week at a low price point no there's not it's going to be i think for this reason a good tournament week depending on who settles in with the lower ownership here you're going to be able to find a lot of leverage and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know fading a guy like dalvin cook this week if you say ahmed comes in with very low ownership and everyone's playing J.D. McKissick. Maybe you can take a Dalvin Cook in your lineup and play two of the cheap backs or mix and match some of these guys, if you get what I'm saying, to overall build a contrarian lineup. I really want to call him Salmonhead. It, he, when, you, <laughs> when you look at his name, it just looks like 
his name should be Salmonhead, but I feel like that would be disparaging. So we'll continue to call him Salvin Ahmed, his birth name. All right, Kyle, anything at wide receiver that you like at the top of the position where we've got ownership coming in at um, pretty, pretty significant ownership on Keenan Allen, but him and Devontae Adams are at 20%. And then it gets it really, it's, it's pretty uh, flat up in that range outside of those two guys. I'm still, I'm still really <laughs> trying to recover from Sam ahead. I mean, when you look, I just, I, I have this instinct to call him. I don't know. It's an urge just to start calling them. I see where the letters align. I see where the letters align for what you're trying to say. It, just, it, looks it, like, it would be disparaging. It would be disparaging <laughs> on to, yeah. on to wide receiver. I mean, yeah, it's but, weird. But this is not. Would Salmonhead really be disparaging? Like it has to be. It. I don't like, it's like, well, it's I guess really, Salmon like, isn't an insult. insult but, someone like, Hey, Salmonhead. It's just, it doesn't <laughs> exist. Go ahead. Like it's going to exist though. Like you, <laughs> like you say the words and physically it sounds insulting. Like it's instinctively, if you said it to me, I would not be able to explain what you meant. I would know you wouldn't mean it as a compliment. And that's how you can tell it's an insult. <laughs> like cake eater from Mighty Ducks. Who the hell knows what that means? But you call someone a cake eater. It, it, it seems pretty normal, but maybe it is. I don't know. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> wide receiver. Wide receiver. I, I at Salmonhead on Twitter and moving on to wide receiver. <laughs> uh, I mean, Keenan Allen, very good. Like, it's interesting. There's not a ton of, like, is there, a, you know, a huge difference between Keenan Allen's price and Devontae Adams at his price? No, they're both, like, incredibly, incredibly talented, volume-laden wide receivers. Even Keenan Allen last week didn't get a ton of targets. Still scores a touchdown. That was kind of the same with Devontae Adams. Got the targets, just didn't have, like, 150 yards. I think when we're looking at the expensive and modestly owned guys, because none of them are super high owned, Michael Thomas is really interesting. I am really curious to see what this this Jameis Winston-led offense looks like. Could he just look like Chris Godwin, ADOT, and efficiency with Michael Thomas targets? Yeah, I think that is in the range of outcomes, and I'm going to buy into that uncertainty. I think, do I know what's going to happen with this offense? Absolutely not. Like, Alvin Kamara out-targeted him last week, so that's not the best scenario for Michael Thomas. But could things go completely nuts in a game with Jameis Winston throwing to Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and like, you know, Manuel Sanders, sure. Jared Cook, high eight up for a, for a tight end. Yeah, I think they could, especially against the Atlanta defense. So this is a game that I like with a receiver who we liked in last year. It's just it hasn't quite happened this year. I'm still buying into him. And I think there's even like a higher upside potentially with Jameis. All right, Matt. Anything at the top here you're really liking? And what are your thoughts, just to kind of follow up on what we were discussing uh, a moment ago? Don't worry, not with Salmonhead. It, see, it seems the chat said, Matt just wants to talk wide receivers, so we'll get there, and we are there. But uh, Michael Thomas is still price, or still getting quite a bit of ownership at 7,300. What do you make of him right now? I think I'm actually okay with his ownership. At He's just coming in a little bit shy of 16%. I think we can go back on our priors with Michael Thomas, knowing that, you know, he leads the league in most major receiving categories last year. He's coming off an injury this, this uh, earlier in the year. So when we look to him against an Atlanta secondary, that's been brutal. And he comes in with just 16% ownership and a 7,300 price tag. I actually don't think that's too bad. He ends up in our top five most owned players at the wide receiver position, but he's not like 25% or something like this, you know, even in the same game, Julio Jones is more owned than him. All right. Well, what about, okay. So we've got a couple guys at the top that are 20% and between 15%. 
One of them is Julio Jones, Matt. 16.9. We've got Calvin or Calvin Ridley down there a lot. I don't know if that has to do with his injury status. I'm assuming it does, right? I, I'm assuming because our ownership, our first run every week, will put guys into it that aren't expected to play or guys that haven't played in previous weeks because we don't have information. So it can be a little bit misleading in that sense. You have to follow up as the week goes on. Julio Jones is essentially the same projected ownership as Robbie Anderson right now. Robbie Anderson's 6K, Julio Jones is 7,500, which would put him as the uh, most expensive quarter uh, wide receiver not named Devontae Adams. I think it makes sense. I mean, who else could we really argue should be that heavily owned in price? I think Keenan Allen has a strong case for it, but he's only 100 cheaper than Julio Jones. And he was only, he's only coming in with 21% ownership. Outside of that, I mean, the receivers on the slate, we don't have some of the best teams. We don't have Kansas City. We don't have Arizona. We don't have Seattle. We, we don't even have Buffalo. So it's really who else is going to be the most expensive receiver. So I think Julio Jones coming up here is more just by default than anything else. And maybe if you don't think Julio Jones is the same cut as receivers like Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, maybe you just pay down a little bit in this price range and look to someone, I don't know, even a little cheaper like Brandon Cooks, who's the number one receiver on his respective team. I think another guy to look at too, maybe as a potential sub 10% pivot is someone that we're not going to be excited about, but his price has come down into a range now, Kyle, where you have a lot of pretty quality options here that have been unpredictable and volatile, but have a ceiling that can get you where you need to go. I'm going to throw a couple of them out there and just get your opinion. Uh, DJ Chark is 5,700. DJ Moore is 5,600 coming off that big game or quality game last week. Travis Fogum has fallen to 5,600. And then you have Marvin Jones, if Galladay doesn't play, at 55. Jarvis Landry at 55, which we had someone comment yesterday in, in our YouTube comments said, why are you guys talking about Jarvis Landry? Um, it, it was it, it was a more respectful comment than I'm making it sound. Like, you know, <laughs> we would never play him. And the one thing about him, and then I promise I'll turn this over to you, is the only two games he's played without OBJ have been insane wind games where the total scores were like 17 and 22. Uh, and now you have a matchup where you're probably going to see Darius Slay outside where Jarvis Landry gets inside can probably get a lot more opportunities, better opportunities than we've seen in the past two weeks. So I don't think it's crazy. And then Amari Cooper with um, with finally Andy Dalton expected to return. What about that 5K range from an ownership standpoint? It's all good because when you said a guy that hasn't like been performing recently, I think you let off with, I thought you were going to tell me like AJ Green. I was like, no, I'm not laughing. Stop oh, trying we'll to get play there. AJ He's Green. 36 no, no, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> we should not get there. No, I think so. We'll start with Jarvis Landry because I think he's at least interesting in a game that uh, I think may go, you know, overlooked. It kind of reminds me of the Philly Pittsburgh game where it's two offenses are kind of like ugly and scrappy, but they always end up having decent implied team totals and decent games. So Jarvis Landry, I believe he led the Browns in targets last week. They only threw like 20 attempts. Though. They've been playing crap weather games. He had 10 targets a few weeks ago. He's his team's number one receiver. I'm not awfully excited to play him, but I think if I'm like stacking this game or even just like even when I'm not going full game stack, anytime I play a player, I'm always at least considering how can I build correlation to that player? That's not always the case. Dalvin Cook is a good play in his own right. You don't necessarily need to stack him with other players, but someone like, you know, Jarvis Landry, does it benefit him a lot if his game scores a lot of points? Absolutely. So I think I prefer to stack him with the opposing running back in uh, Miles Sanders. I'm not, uh, you know, not too interested in Travis Fulgham. 
I'm still hesitant on Andy Dalton being a massive upgrade from what we've seen in recent weeks. He wasn't, he was terrible against, I believe his Cardinals was the game he played. He was god awful against the Cardinals. I don't love playing, you know, even if they get a decent amount of volume, I don't just don't love playing quarterbacks or uh, receivers with terrible quarterbacks. I'm not sure Andy Dalton isn't terrible. So in that price range, I'd probably look to, I mean, I'm talking myself into Jarvis Landry. I don't think he's a terrible correlation play. I will say though, Brandon Cooks is just my favorite of this, of this price range. Like Matt, Matt slipped it in there and, and I don't think we notice it too much maybe because that's just the standard. Brandon Cooks over the past, I believe it's four games, leads his team in targets, tied for the team lead in air yards. Like he is the number one receiver and Will Fuller is an awesome number two receiver and you can double stack Houston, but at his price, Brandon Cooks is simply like, he should be way higher on. He should be in this, you know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson type of tier where he doesn't quite fit the bill of being like the highest priced, most volume laden receiver, but he's just one of the best values. And I, I think that still stands this week. So at 5,200 and, you know, less than 15% ownership and very, like very stackable game. I think Brandon Cooks is one of the better plays. And the last one, DJ Moore is just like really interesting leverage off both Robbie Anderson and Mike Davis. Robbie Anderson probably has the same argument to be made, but he is the higher owned of the two. So I think I give a slight lean to DJ Moore. Yeah, targets on the season, Brandon Cooks leads with 68 for the Houston Texans. Him and DJ Moore and Boyd are all getting pretty similar ownership there, Matt. Yeah, I, I, Kyle laid out a lot of guys I really like in this range. I think it's where I'll be mainly targeting wide receivers this week. I think I'm maybe a little more excited on the Dallas offense than you guys are, just because I think people have a little bit of recency bias with what we saw out of Ben DiNucci. I certainly think... Andy Dalton is an upgrade over Ben DiNucci. I think he's a massive upgrade over those guys, to be honest with you. And we're seeing guys like Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, who were priced, you know, like mid-7Ks, mid-6Ks, drop well over $1,000 in price on each individual slate. It is one of the most dynamic receiving cores in football. And there are times where we do see receivers elevate quarterback play, too. Like, Minnesota's defense is horrific, especially their secondary. What do Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb really have to do to even like backdoor Andy Dalton into a good game. I think there's not a ton that needs to happen outside of hopefully don't spread the ball around too much. And I actually forgot to ask you guys about this before Ezekiel Elliott, isn't someone we mentioned at running back. I I think it probably warrants a conversation, a quick one, at least Matt, because he's getting like 6% ownership right now. And yes, I do believe the return of Andy Dalton will make a big impact uh, on Ezekiel Elliott's ability to maybe manufacture enough to get him where we need to go. Uh, unfortunately, he's still priced in a similar range as guys like um, Miles Sanders and a few other in that 6K range. Is Ezekiel Elliott still too expensive to play on DraftKings at 6,500 in tournaments? I definitely don't think he's too expensive. Even with Tony Pollard siphoning off a few more carries than normal, Zeke still has 20 touch games in back-to-back games. And that's considering Dallas has been pretty brutal. I know they they kept pace with Pittsburgh a little bit in that contest, but I still think Zeke's going to see fine volume to pay off like a mid-6K price. And it's not like he's 8.5 anymore. We're talking about a mid-6K guy. Everyone in his price range, like DeAndre Swift, is going to be around 20 touches. Like Antonio Gibson, who's a little bit cheaper, like maybe 15. I think he's appropriately priced and you can look to him. All right. Guys, we have an awesome promo going getting in the, the giving spirit for Thanksgiving. And uh, the promo code at checkout is Mayflower. What does that get you? I'll tell you. Our Osmo NFL Weekly Express Pass. You've heard us talk about it. It's all of the showdown content included. You've got 
outside of the showdown projections and ownership projections and a top plays tool, which is for all of our showdown slates, all of the showdown slates that you'll find out there. You have monster Millie maker contest, just huge contests everywhere. Single entry, three max, anything you need. Uh, on top of that though, you have the express top stacks tool, express lineup builder, the rankings. And this is not for showdown. This is for other slates, like for actual main slates, afternoon, you name it. Mayflower gets you the express weekly pass for $1, $1. That's it. So it's, it's essentially free. You get to check it out for the cost of, I don't know. What's a dollar, Matt. What, give me something that's a dollar that would seem, does anything even cost a dollar anymore? Like a pack of gum. I guess you could go with a pack of gum. Yeah. Can you still buy individual songs on iTunes? That's a legitimate question. Don't laugh at me. Is that actually? I don't, you're such a boomer. I don't know. <laughs> I, I use Spotify. I don't know what's going on in iTunes. Is that? I, I, I use iTunes, but I just have the monthly thing. Jordan, that is a great one. Arizona very Iced good one. Tea. Now, to be fair, Arizona Iced Tea is like literally the best deal you could ever get. I don't know if we can beat that. Those are, what is that? 50 ounces of tea for for a dollar and 99 cents but this is as close you'll get to beating the arnold palmer you know lemonade iced tea blend for 99 cents it's one dollar uh gets you everything in the express pass use the promo code mayflower if you guys have any questions hit me up on twitter my dms are open probably a bad decision but they're there at lafay <laughs> underscore deep all right um i don't really know what we talk about at tight ends to be honest with you kyle there's no chalk there's nobody above 5k I actually think we have to lead this conversation with Taysom Hill on FanDuel because with Drew Brees out for this week and likely a couple weeks, ensuing weeks, Taysom Hill is priced, I think it's like $4,500. And while Jameis Winston will likely be the guy getting the rock uh, under center, you have to think Taysom Hill's used enough to wear out a really bad, ugly, and uh, weak position at tight end. A lot of people are probably going to play him. Um, I, this is news to me. I didn't check. I usually wake up and check DraftKings on Wednesday, and then by like Wednesday night, I'm looking at FanDuel stuff. But well, now you have all the information you need, right? Like, what are your this thoughts on how he works for this week? It's insane. I thought this was like a gimmick I could pull off in my season-long leagues. No, I'd probably be playing Taysom Hill. Like, I don't think uh, it's unreasonable to think he gets a few pass attempts, a target or two, and a handful of rushes. Like, he will be more involved than we have seen probably at any point in his career, potentially. Right. And one percent like, ownership on yeah, there's. I would even say maybe this comes up once people like scroll down far enough find Taysom Hill or whatever. So I, I think, yeah, he was like, uh, like you could probably even play him in cash. Like just given that, like, do I want to pay 6,500 for the most owned tight end in Mark Andrews? The way Baltimore's been playing? No, I don't. Like Hunter Henry is, you know, modestly expensive at 5,500. I think he's probably actually like a better play on uh like on FanDuel than a Mark Andrews. But man, Taysom Hill, is, that's hilarious. That is just like a gimmick that shouldn't work. And yes, I like at 1%, I'd be like lock buttoning him in like tournaments because what if he does go out and more play like an actual committee quarterback role? You could put like 12, 14 points on the board fairly easily. What if he scores once on the ground, once in the air? My God, like that is a ceiling that literally no other tight end probably in the history of football has had. So I would say Taysom Hill, his ownership will rise. If it stays where it is on FanDuel, you just like, you play a lot of Taysom Hill, frankly. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I think you can certainly get there. My, my process on tight end is very simple. It's, all right, do we have Kittle? Do we have Waller? Do we have Kelsey? No, play whoever you want. Not actually, but 
I think there's a lot more merit to paying just all the way down when we don't have those guys on the slate. So these players that are in the mid ranges, you know, like on a week to week basis, typically we're seeing like a TJ Hawkinson, a Mike Jacecki sitting in that mid range with mild ownership. I'm just downright fading those guys for the cheap, low owned tight ends that have the exact same upside. And it all depends on whether they score a touchdown. Taysom Hill, given his increased role, has just as much chance of that as anyone else we're going to talk about today. I still think Dallas Goddard on DraftKings, despite not playing great football, uh, well, Carson Wentz not playing great football recently, at 3,800 is viable, Kyle. I, I still think, you know, Hayden Hurst at 4,400 and what's projected to be a high-scoring affair against uh, New Orleans is viable. But you don't really have to worry about getting away from any chalk this week. It's really who fits and, and who you like and, and or who you like. And like Matt said, with no Kelsey, with no uh, Kittle, you know, there's no 2019 version of Zach Ertz still out there. It's it, it, it's there's a dearth of options here, and $3,800 Goddard to me does stand out. Who do you like here, just overall? Because again, I don't think ownership is a huge factor. Yeah, I agree with both of you that one when the slate doesn't feature one of like the slate breaker potential guys like last year, Mark Andrews, not this year, Mark Andrews, unfortunately, really Travis Kelsey and George Kittle for the most part. I'm fine with just punting off at whoever I want. I think Logan Thomas is probably of the cheapest guys, the one I would look to the most. I've seen four targets in every single game. Four targets isn't a lot, but like how many tight ends can you lock in for four targets? According to uh, like pro football reference, there are three tight ends that you can lock in for four targets a game. And that has been him, Hunter Henry, and I believe TJ Hawkinson, which kind of surprised me. So I think of the cheap tight ends, he's clearly the one you'd be looking to. It's not a difficult matchup this week. The quarterback threw a lot last week, which is good. They didn't, you know, throw it too incredibly well, but there are a lot of targets to go around. So I think Logan Thomas is probably the best punt play. If you're looking at closer to that 4K range, it's only a few hundred more. So maybe you should just go right to this. I think Dallas Goddard, I completely agree that we saw in weeks one and two, he was operating as the number one receiver, then logs back to back one catch games. The first one he got hurt in the second one, he was coming back from being hurt. Comes up a little bit last week. It wasn't an incredible performance, but it wasn't a great performance from Carson Wentz. So I think if we get a decent performance from Carson Wentz, who is facing a Cleveland defense that has just kind of gotten shredded this year, like 23rd or 25th in yards allowed, and that includes two games passing yards allowed. That includes two games where they were playing in like tornadoes. So I think this defense is definitely one to target, and you would do it with someone like Dallas Goddard, who could be the number one, probably more so the number two receiver on his own team. So Dallas Goddard at the like almost 4K range, if you're looking closer to that three, like low three, 3K range, Logan Thomas beat my guy. Texas Streets 96 in uh, our Super Chat says, no Goddard, Zach Ertz will be back in the lineup Sunday. Uh, yeah, he is designated to return. The truth, though, is even when Zach Ertz was was healthy, Goddard was getting the most targets. So uh, yeah. at, that, at that price, I'd still be willing to get there. Ertz is 3,700 on DraftKings, which is pretty interesting, but uh, I, I still think Goddard's viable here. All right, um, let's close it out with our top stacks, Matt. We won't spend a ton of time here, but we're going to give what, our, our opinions on what we think of the highest owned stacks and, of course, on the top stack probabilities. Our top stack tool has all of that at awesomemode.com. It's awesome. It gives you the probability that they're the top stack, what their ownership on the stack is going to look like, which is the top value, all of that great stuff. So if you're a premium sub and you're not using that tool, definitely get on it. Uh, and like I said, for that Mayflower $1 Express Weekly, we have the Express top stack tool included as well. Uh, one thing I found pretty remarkable, Matt, was the the Carolina Panthers have the highest top stack probability on the slate right now, and they have one of the lowest ownership projections at 1.4%. I think that might just be because we don't know what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater. 
uh, and that'll change. So let's just assume that's the case. But Carolina still has one of the highest tops. It has the highest top stack probability right now. I, I, I think it makes sense not knowing the status of Teddy Bridgewater. They're going up against a defense in Detroit that's definitely not scary. They have all of the pass catchers, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Neither of them are cost prohibitive. You could even play them both in the same lineup. There's clear runbacks on the other side with Marvin Jones at this point. I think it's warranted. And right now, I personally do believe it's just the, the Teddy Bridgewater situation that's clouding things. But even if Teddy Bridgewater sits, we get Philip Walker at a discounted price. Who I mean, Philip Walker doesn't have a large sample in the NFL. In the XFL, he looked fine. I think you could even look to him as a value play and still run the Carolina stack, assuming you know that Teddy Bridgewater would be out in this hypothetical situation. Do you think P.J. Walker is viable, uh, Kyle? I think he's viable. I think he was one of the better quarterbacks I've ever seen throw the football. That guy can throw across <laughs> a freaking mountain. No, I mean, he was good in the XFL. I don't him think – Him and Cam I, Phillips, wasn't it? Wasn't it, wasn't it yes, him and Cam, Cam Phillips. Phillips? Yeah. It was like Cam Phillips, Sam Mobley, the uh, Sammy Coates, I think, uh, the, the short white slot dude who got a ton of catches <laughs> was really good as well. I can name like all of the XFL players. I love the XFL. And he wasn't like – like his numbers were great in the XFL walkers were, but I know like PFF graded him as like the second or third best quarterback who's throwing to a lot of open guys. He's looked kind of shaky in his like eight attempts in the NFL so far for a few like spot plays for Teddy Bridgewater. But given a full week of at least like – you know, decent. I would imagine like more practice than he's probably seen all year. I think it is uh, like it would be viable to go to him specifically because of his price. I probably shy away from double stacking him at that point, though, because one, like he's probably going to play worse than Teddy Bridgewater has. But two, you don't need like two of his receivers to go off for what is it, like 4,800. You don't need two of his receivers to go off for him to have a good day. You need one of his receivers to have a modestly good day for him to hit value. Whereas when you look at someone like Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett go walk, you probably still need, unless it's like a you know 200 yard game from Tyler Lockett, you still need one other player to hit. So for a quarterback who is so cheap, I would say I would do a lot of single stacking of him. It's just a, it's the price point play. It's a decent matchup play, high game total, or probably have a lowered game total, but still a decent game total. That would be that'd be exciting. I'd love to see Walker. Not sure if he's the uh, a great NFL quarterback. He's probably good enough. So I think he'd be a great stacking option. Another one that I'm surprised our ownership is so low on is Houston right now. I just like, are people afraid of this New England defense at this point? I'd be surprised. Maybe people saw what they did to Lamar Jackson, but I mean, I don't, uh, I'm not afraid of them. I think they have such an obvious stacking choice too, which is kind of one of the things I think we should focus on when we look at stacks is how likely are you to get it right when you call, like if I call Green Bay, I've almost certainly got it right because I'm picking a lot of Devontae Adams. If I call some other teams, it's much more difficult to pick out who it's been. That's why my Justin Herbert stacks have struggled so much is because Jalen Guyton steals touchdowns from them. Do I think that continues? No, but it is kind of the point remains where when you have two crazy market share number of guys, like just a top duo and that's it, I think that makes it a more viable stack. So Houston, for me, our top stack tool likes them versus the field, and I do too. Another fascinating one, Matt, is the Green Bay Packers with the Second highest top stack probability. Sorry, third, yeah, tied for the second highest yeah. with Houston. And one of the lowest quarterback ownership projections right now, likely contributing to that is that Aaron Rodgers is uh, very expensive, and so is Devontae Adams. But Alan Lazard is expected to return this week. What a huge, huge discrepancy or disparity, sorry, there is between their ownership and the top stack probability. You don't see that very often with the NFL. No, you don't. I think it's entirely price-based. 
People may also be scared of the Colts defense, which played an incredibly easy slate of games to start the year. They've been a little bit worse since, since those first four games or so, you know, I mean, they allowed over 30 points to Cleveland. They allowed 27 to Cincinnati, Baltimore put up 24 against them, but Baltimore has struggled recently. I don't think they're quite the defense we thought they were. So maybe that's just another reason people are looking away from Green Bay. I'm more than comfortable getting to them. That game has tied for the highest total on the slate. And if it's going to come in with low ownership, I'll follow Vegas. I'll follow the bookmakers and try to get a game that has high shootout potential. All right. Before we close this one out, we always have to give our favorite low-owned stack of the week. Also, free content on the site today for those of you that wanted to check it out without having to pay. We've got the NFL ownership projections and the PGA golfer projections free at awesomemo.com today. So check that out. Uh, Remember, if you haven't subscribed yet, do that too. Greatly appreciate it. Helps us, helps you. And if you hate it, just unsubscribe. But if you like what we do here and you appreciate our work, it's the quickest and easiest way to help support us. Kyle, favorite low-owned stack or under-owned stack at the midway point in the week? Yeah, I'm going to roll with the crazy man himself, Jameis. I think Jameis just plays in a style that is so conducive to fantasy points, not only for himself, but an entire game. Whereas I think that's something that like Drew Brees kind of lacks where he can put up decent fantasy points, but it typically comes on a lot of like, you know, slow grinding drives. And they aren't like, the, you know, the the pick sixes and the turnovers aren't really bad for fantasy for like you lose a point or whatever, but it keeps the game going. It's the same They're thing as like good. If yeah, they're not bad. It's the same thing as you got to throw for 500 yards. That's what we saw last year. And it's kind of the same thing when you target guys who have like high A dots, their drives can like, it's like they, they don't exist. It's one drive. It's a play of one or two drives. And Jameis throws that way, no matter who his receivers are. So Jameis to Michael Thomas, I think has a ton of upside. I don't think people realize just how good Jameis is for fantasy, not for real life, but for fantasy. All right, Matt, what do you have? And so I'm going to go back to a stack we talked about earlier, and I don't want to narrow this down to one specific side of this game, but I really like this Dallas-Minnesota game with both horrific defenses on either side. I think you can honestly stack Andy Dalton, and this is an access point to get some of the better receivers on the Minnesota side that are decently priced. Like you could run out an Andy Dalton, Amari Cooper, and a Justin Jefferson stack. And because Dalton is so cheap, I think you can feel pretty good about the other guys you're getting into your lineups. Like you can still probably afford one of the better running backs. Maybe you want to even run Dalvin Cook as the run back on the other side of this Dallas stack. So I think it'll be extremely low owned. Right now, our top stack still doesn't exactly love the Dallas side of this. But I think with both defenses on each side, this could be a potential avenue to exploit. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons against New Orleans. We still have some question marks here, some uncertainty surrounding Calvin Ridley, but $6,300 for Matt Ryan is not that much, especially when you consider he's only $400 more expensive than Jameis Winston on the other side of this game. To me, that has to be something we're talking about. Julio Jones, uh, Ridley, we'll, we'll we'll see his status, and then we can start maybe later on in the week once we look at his practice involvement, start talking about some of these secondary or tertiary receivers once we know what Ridley's status is going to be. But ultimately, if you're getting a game that everyone likes the Winston side, because I personally think his ownership comes up throughout the week at this price point. Uh, and what's the total on this game, guys? Do we have one yet? 51. 51. Yeah, tied for the second highest. Yeah. I mean, 51. tied for the highest. Sorry? Tied for the highest. Okay. So, yeah, 51, five-point dogs. I- I'm willing to get there. Right now, they have – the Atlanta Falcons have the – as far as top stack ownership goes, they are ranked fourth. And in our top stack tool, ownership is all the way down at like eighth. 4.8% ownership, 8.7% top stack probability. 
I like to see that for sure. All right, that'll do it for us. Stick around tomorrow. Well, don't stick around. It's a long time. Come back with us tomorrow for the matchups. Uh, the matchups, what is it? What are the marathon matchup show with Matt Savoca and myself? That's 11 Eastern. This show, 11 Eastern, every single day. Uh, and then these two guys, Kyle Dvorak on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here and Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski on the Twitter machine. Check his fleets out, son. They'll be back tomorrow doing the FanDuel strategy show. Definitely check that out because a lot of our stuff is oriented towards DraftKings. That's strictly FanDuel. They'll get into Taysom Hill and everything else. Uh, and then so much more stuff on the site. We'll have PGA Live before lock tonight as well. You name it. Everything right here uh, at the awesome.com YouTube channel. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll see you soon. See you tomorrow, Salmon Heads. <laughs> It's such a bizarre name. It makes no sense at all. Just the first thing I read when I saw him. <laughs>